This is Always Advancing with your host, Josh Sanchez, the podcast created for multidimensional individuals, those that are looking to enhance their human experience and activate their state of self-actualization. Tune in each week for growth hacks and inspiring interviews to help you advance and actualize your full potential. I appreciate your attention and I'm grateful for your awareness. Let's go. Hi, hey, Advancers. I am so excited today to talk about the spiritual journey in a good baseline, a good foundation, easily digestible concepts of spirituality, spiritual awakening that are easy to chew on and easy to assimilate into your life. And today we cover The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. If you guys want a really strong foundation to start your journey, read this in tandem with The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. I find coupling these two books is great because a lot of the teachings go hand in hand and actually it'll strengthen that foundation. Uh, But mostly this book covers the concept of self and I want to tee it up by uh, explaining in psychology. So Freudian explained the divided psyche, and he, he divided this into three parts, the id, the ego, and the superego. So it's recognized in Western society about the different parts of our mind or psyche. Uh, so this isn't just some esoteric beliefs, some woo-woo. This is backed by science as well. The great teacher in the yoga tradition, he used to say, to attain inner freedom, one must continue to and sincerely ask the question, who am I? He taught this is more important than reading books, mantras, or traveling to holy places. The question of, who am I? In case you haven't noticed, you have a mental dialogue going on inside your head that never stops. It just keeps going and going. Have you ever wondered why it talks in there? How does it decide what to say and when to say it? How much of what it says turns out to be true? How much of what it says is even important? And if right now you're hearing, I don't know what you're talking about, I don't have any voices inside my head. That's the voice he talks about in the book. If you're smart, you'll take the time to step back, examine this voice, and get to know it better. The problem is you are too close to this voice to be objective. If you spend time observing this mental voice, the first thing you will notice is that it never shuts up. When left to its own, it just talks. So the first part of the book talks about, it says that there's nothing more important to true growth than realizing you are not the voice of the mind. You are the one who hears it. If you don't understand this, you will try to figure out which of the many things the voice says is really you. People go through this so many changes in the name of trying to find themselves. They want to discover which of these voices, which of these aspects of their personality is who they really are. The answer is simple, none of them. If you watch them objectively, you will come to see much of what the voice says is meaningless. Most of the talking is a waste of time and energy. The truth is most of life will unfold in accordance with forces far outside your control, regardless of what your mind says about it. To interject on the book, that's why awareness of self, self self-awareness, that's why uh, psychometric tests, uh, all the tools, if you guys have been banging out with the the podcast, we went over self-awareness and the different tools, really get in touch with oneself. And I already explained mindfulness, meditation, quieting that ambiguous mind. 
We're tapping into solidifying and seeing the importance in that now with this book. And Mike, he's able to express very complex ideas and put them into very assimilatable information. So if you can really have an objective observers, you will see there is no relevance to the thoughts and the thoughts you have. No effect on your external reality. The only effect they have is on you. They are simply making you feel better or worse on what is going on now, what has gone on in the past or what might go on in the future. If you spend your time hoping it doesn't rain tomorrow, you are wasting your time. Your thoughts don't change the rain. You will come to find there is no use for the incessant internal chatter. Eventually, we'll see the real cause of the problem is not life itself. It's about the commotion the mind makes about life that really causes problems. Why does it exist? Why does it exist? Mental voice talks when there's a buildup of energy that needs to be released. The voice becomes stronger. True personal growth is about transcending the part of you that is not okay and needs protection. This is done by remembering you are the one inside that notices the voice talking. The one inside who is aware of your talking about yourself is always silent and is the doorway to the depths of your being. To be aware that you are watching the voice talk is to stand on a threshold of a fantastic inner journey. These voices, this voice that has been the cause of general neurosis can be the launching ground for true spiritual awakening. Self-reflective questions, who notices the inner disturbance? The very fact that you can see the disturbance and are aware of it means you are not it. This process of seeing something requires a subject-object relationship. The subject is called the witness because it is the one who sees what's happening. The object is what you are seeing. In this context of disturbance, this act of maintaining an object awareness of the inner problem is always better than losing yourself in the outer situation. This is the essential difference between a spiritually minded person and a worldly person. I'll reiterate, this act of maintaining an objective awareness of the inner problem is always better than losing yourself in the outer situation. Meaning that you think the solution to your problem lies outside of you. Thinking that you change the outside, you'll be okay. The only solution is to take the seat of witness consciousness and change your frame of reference. Own the situation inside. Deal with a part of you that can have a problem with almost anything. Free yourself from yourself. You will eventually catch on that you have to free yourself from your psyche. Your will is stronger than the habit of listening to that voice. There is nothing you can't do. Your will is supreme over all of this. If you want to free yourself, you must first become conscious enough to understand your predicament. Then you must commit yourself to the inner work of freedom. You do this as though your life depended on it. Because it does. As it is right now, your life is not your own. It belongs to your roommate, the psyche. You have to take it back. You are the one who sees from all the chatter. The Toltecs call this a mitoti. Scientists call this a prehistoric lizard brain or the monkey mind. You live in the seat of consciousness. A true spiritual being lives there without effort or intent. Going so deep, you can see this is where you have always been. The conscious receiver of all that was, moments, experiences, and the mind chatter. This concept is absolutely crucial to wrap your head around in the process of mindfulness. This is why meditation is so sought after. This is why 20 minutes a day of meditation, if you can implement that into your practice, will be a transformative tool for you in your life, and it will affect every aspect of your life. The second part of this book goes into the importance, which I love. So it tackles mindfulness, meditation, 
taking that observer, understanding we are at the seat of consciousness, we are not our thoughts, we are not that incessant chatter. The second part covers the importance of keeping your heart valve open. And it starts out with explaining that inner energy and inner force, expenditure of energy is both outside and inside of us. Thoughts are energy. That's proven by science as well, right? Everything is made up at the uh, atomic scale uh, by energy. That's that's not an argument. That's not a, a theory. That's a fact. That's a, an absolute truth that we know as of now. So why this is important to understand that we have energy within us, we have energy outside of us, paints a picture pretty well. He The story of being in a relationship and then breaking up. So he talks about a, a relationship where... Um, one person, let's say this is a heterosexual relationship, male breaks up with female, or she breaks up with him, he's heartbroken. He, you know, is lethargic. He doesn't want to do anything. His friends call him, his family want to take him out, where he's not so sad about the situation. The guy has pizza boxes all over his apartment. He has hasn't done laundry in weeks, and he's just in a state of complete depression. And then he continues his story by saying, this goes on for weeks and weeks. One day out of the blue, his significant other calls him. He says, what we had was true love. I, I didn't know what I was thinking. I really want you back. What are you doing right now? Can you come over? I want to come over. Instantly in that moment, the energy that he didn't have all of a sudden fills and permeates his body. It's filled and he jumps up, takes a shower, cleans up his apartment. His energy's back. He's back in a state of love. He's back in a state of, he gets that instantaneous energy. There's a new light about him. When his family and friends see him the next day or in the weeks following, they see him with a new pep in his step. He has a certain aura about him, a certain energy towards him. The picture he tries to paint here is just saying that we have access to a phenomenal amount of energy. We have access to this at any moment. And it's not from food, water, breathing. It's, it's within you. He explains it fills you from inside. It surges and gushes out of you when you're tapped into this energy. Some may call it source, the connectedness, oneness, God. And the only reason you can't feel that type of energy all the time is because we block it by closing our heart valve. So important. Listen up, Adventures. Closing your mind and withdrawing from these centers that channel your energy flow. So we have different centers in our body that channel this energy flow. You may have heard of them as chakras, but the most intuitive one is our heart. And this is closed so often and with such little disturbances from extrinsic forces. When you close, energy can't flow. When you open it, it can how many times have we experienced these dynamics in our lives? You have a wealth of unlimited energy at your disposal, and it's literally that simple. If you can keep your heart open, you'll have access to that abundant amount of energy, infinite. If you close it, you close off that energy flow. Closed states mean overwhelming disturbances and lethargy, often back and forth between those states. Oppressive states, low energies, or emotional imbalances, uh, physiological imbalances, all of this can reflect into the physical world. So this force comes and is called different names in different parts of the world. So yogis call it Shakti. Eastern medicine calls it Chi. In the West, it's called spirit. Toltecs call this force, right? So different parts uh, geographically in the world, it's, it's called different things. Uh, call it whatever you want, but to have access to this energy, all you need is openness and receptivity. So true spiritual teachings are about this energy and how to open up to it. The only thing you have to know is open allows this energy in 
and closing closes you off to this energy. It really comes down to how much love do you want to feel? How many experiences of pure bliss do you want to have? If enjoying a full life means experiencing high energy, love, and enthusiasm all the time, then don't ever close. Closing is a habit. You can train yourself not to close your heart valve, your heart chakra, your heart center. And we're, we're conditioned to open and closing based on our past experiences. Impressions of the past are still inside of us most of the time. Each cue you unconsciously to open or close your heart. These past impressions and experiences can literally be activated by any of your five senses. Smell, touch, taste, sound, sight. You can smell something because it reminded you of the family dinners. And let's say those were always unpleasant and always ended in an argument. Then that's the state that you're reliving through that impression. It's causing you to close your heart at that moment. So you could be surrounded by a whole new situation, a whole nother reality of people around you, people you love, people you are authentic with. But for some reason, the smell of, let's say, certain cuisine changed that or uh, the taste of something or the sound. You hear something that reminded you of your auntie, uncle, your cousins uh, yelling at you or these are the type of triggers we have to be conscious of. When you bring your awareness to this of closing that energy off, opening it as a valve, have um, conditioned on ourselves. It really is that sensitive. We are programmed based off of past impressions. So if you paint, if you pay attention, you can feel this every day. Make a conscious effort to stay open so you can stay connected to this energy to this unlimited abundance of energy. Closing your heart doesn't protect you from anything. It literally only cuts you from this energy source. When you realize this, closing has no benefits. No extrinsic or external circumstance is worth closing over. Imagine being able to always feel excited about the experience of the moment. It doesn't matter what the experience is. It's beautiful. When you feel that from the inside, you get instant access to what everyone in today's culture is yearning for. What our spirit, what our soul, what our true spiritual being yearns for. Find your triggers, bring awareness to your current closing patterns, and use this tool to change your tendencies. Take a deep breath when you feel yourself closing off and you have that awareness. And recite in your mind that you will keep your heart open. Try it. It works. Deep breath. I choose to keep my heart open and feel it. In time, you'll reprogram, get a software update for your spirit and forget how to close your heart. If you can catch it, you bring the awareness to the triggers, you change the triggers, you reprogram your spiritual triggers, you reprogram your psyche, you reprogram the monkey brain, you reprogram the energy patterns that we have that cause us to close. And I want to close that statement by saying, what does it feel like to identify more with spirit than with form? You used to walk around feeling anxiety and tension. Now you walk around feeling love. You just feel love for no reason. Your backdrop is love. Your backdrop is openness, beauty, and appreciation. You don't make yourself feel that way. That is how spirit feels. You don't claim to understand what is happening to you. You just know that as you go further and further back, it gets more and more beautiful. And just to recap the book from part one to part two and then close, finish up the podcast. The best way to free yourself from the incessant chatter is to step back and view it objectively. Just view the voice as a vocalizing mechanism that is capable of making it appear like someone is there 
talking to you. Just notice it. No matter what the voice is saying, it's all the same. It doesn't matter if it's saying nice things or mean things, worldly things or spiritual things. It doesn't matter because it's still just a voice talking inside your head. In fact, the only way to get your distance from this voice is to stop differentiating what it's saying. Stop feeling that one thing it says is you and the other thing it says is not you. If you are hearing it talk, it's obviously not you. You are the one who hears the voice. You are the one who notices that it's talking. Certainly, this idea of stepping back is not new. Every mystical tradition advancers in every major spiritual tradition has addressed it. The ancient practices of meditation and yoga have been taught for thousands of years in the East to develop the skills to watch the mind rather than get caught up in the relentless fluctuations. The use of silence chants, dancing, mantras, prayer, fasting, and other methods are all to a degree linked to this process. And then to summarize part two, also the foundations of spiritual growth and spiritual awakening are very much strengthened by the findings of Western science. Science shows us how an underlying energy field forms into atoms, which then bind together into molecules and eventually manifest into all things in the universe. The same is true for human beings. All that goes on inside also has its foundation in an underlying energy field. It is the connections in the field that make our mental and emotional patterns as well as our inner drives and instinctual reactions. Regardless of what you call this energy, when looking at these patterns within yourself as well as other living species, it is not difficult to see that the most primal energy flow is the survival instinct. During eons of evolution, it's formed the simplest species to the most complex. There has always been the day-to-day -day struggle to protect one's self. Now, through our highly evolved cooperative social structures, these energy mechanisms are going through changes. Many of us in Western society no longer lack food or water, clothing or shelter, nor do we regularly face life-threatening physical danger. As a result, the protective energy has evolved to protecting us psychologically rather than physiologically. We now feel the daily need to defend our self-concept. The battles are with our inner fears, insecurities, and behavior patterns not an outside force, not an extrinsic danger, not a saber-toothed tiger, right? That doesn't mean the same impulses aren't in place to make you want to evade or fight. Fight or flight. You know exactly how to close your heart and put up a psychological shield. You know how to cut off from reception and sensitivity to the other energy causing fear. When you close down and think you are protecting yourself, you are pulling down a shell around the part of you that is weak. This is the part that you feel needs protection even though there is no physical attack taking place. You are protecting ego and self-concept. When this is challenged, it causes most to feel fear, insecurity, disturbance, and other emotional issues. We put too much value on extrinsic circumstances and other actions creating a hypersensitive psyche. If you keep protecting yourself, you will never be free. If you can learn to remain centered with smaller things, you will see you can remain centered with bigger things. The types of events that would have destroyed you in the past can come and go, leaving you perfectly centered and peaceful. It is important to release the energy that is not serving you instead of suppressing it. Feel and release, advancers. Feel and release. Those fear-based emotions cause imbalances with spirit, with your body, with your mind. Let go 
rather than clothes. You should be able to live without emotional scars and impressions. If you let go of these issues inside you, you can go throughout life without getting psychologically damaged. No matter the event, it is always better to let go and release rather than close and suppress and punish yourself over and over. There is a place deep inside where the consciousness touches the energy. That's where you work from and that's the place you let go. Nothing can take the seed of consciousness away from you. You'll learn to stay there after putting years into the process and learn to let go no matter the pain. You will achieve a great state. You will break the ultimate primordial habit, the constant draw of the lower self. You will then be free to explore the nature and self of your true being. This is called pure consciousness. In closing, he has grandiose ability to show how much we as humans try to control our external reality, and as a result, hold on to so much negative energy. The message is liberating. The teachings are a lot of depth to them in the spiritual realm. The only thing I really can't stand behind adventures in this book is the last chapter. He goes straight into the pool of Christianity and exalts those beliefs. Everything else is a great foundation to begin your journey of spirituality and spiritual awakening. With that being said, find your own truths. Find your own, you know, anything that serves you on this great journey and enhances your human experience. And I know really training your, your spirituality will amplify every aspect of your life. That's a truth with a capital T. And I, I can I can strongly attest to that. There's certain forces and ineffable things during this experience that no book, no no master, no teacher can really explain. It's it's got to be experienced, and that connectedness and oneness, those non-ordinary states, are things that truly you have to experience, and it can't really be expressed uh, with language. It really has to be felt. That's it. Thanks for tuning in. If I brought you any value today, please subscribe for notifications of next week's episode. I would truly appreciate it. Also, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. Connect to our community on social media. We are building a tribe of self-actualized grow-getters. Those that implement the practice of lifelong learning, understanding it will catalyze self-actualization, the ultimate production of the human spirit. Find your baseline and grow every day. Till next time, advancers, make the rest of your day the best of your day.